What do I look for in a poem? What makes a good poem? What I look for is something that speaks to my heart and rings true with my own life. Hi there, I'm Susan Deutsch, a winter intern at the New England Review, and you're listening to NER Out Loud. In this episode of NER Out Loud, we're talking about poetry. First, we'll hear three poets from the latest issue of New England Review, 40.4, reading their own work out loud. We also stepped outside of the NER offices in Middlebury, Vermont, and braved the cold to ask people a few questions. What makes a good poem? What makes a good story? Hi, this is Dean Rader, and it is a great pleasure to read two poems that appear in the most recent issue of the New England Review. These poems are companion pieces. They talk to each other. The first poem has an embarrassingly long title, Troubled by Thoughts About Infinity and Oblivion. I exit the Twombly retrospective at dusk and walk the high line with the ghost of my father. This evening, the unknown waves its wand and a beam of light disappears into the sky's black hat. The moon has never known its true home. The stars do not remember when they began their journey. Out of that forgetting, they begin their own making, just like us. Soon, the sun will take off its cape and open a door to a place that is not there. Out of that absence, the questions. What black bones hang above the unseen? What name does the fire give to flame? What burns through existence to endlessness? We are not here long enough to believe in anything but language, and yet we know what awaits us is silence, somehow always rising above the darkness into darkness, always drawn to our own obscurity. Future self, I think of you arriving at our ending, last line on the last page, the trace within the vanishing, the final sleight of hand in which everything disappears. Remember, the unseen is never truly empty. Despite erasure, the canvas never blank. The second poem has a similarly long title, and it's this. Once again, in thought about Rilke, Twombly's Orpheus paintings, and fatherhood, I consider the inevitability of creation and loss. Scarred sky, the last beams bruised beneath the surface of stars, the whole world a contusion, slowly transforming from one thing to the next. The one cell, the one life, always becoming two. What if it is the sun that follows the moon? How do we know we're not the bridle hard against the teeth of this life? Just because something has a saddle, it doesn't mean we should ride it. What would it take to be inside the music the cello did not know how to play? What would it take to say to the strings, make me silent? What would it take for the skin to sing its own song of blood and blooming? 
To know one truth is to know nothing. To wear your nothingness, well, now we're getting somewhere. I once believed I could be lifted by language out of language. I once believed the horse hooves in the distance was the ocean telling the rocks about water. I once believed loss would thread my mind's needle like a blind seamstress. But that was a long time ago. Now I understand that time is nothing more than pure duration and that the mind is a field of herons who have lost their way. Even so, I will let the entire lie down in my body's blue light and hope that something will start to heal. That was Dean Rader reading his new poems from the New England Review. Dean has written, edited, and co-edited 11 books, including Works and Days, which won the T.S. Eliot Prize. He is a professor at the University of San Francisco and the recipient of a 2019 Guggenheim Fellowship in Poetry. You're listening to NER Out Loud, and I'm your host, Susan Deutsch. Here's another poem from our current issue. This is Kathy Fagan, and my poem is titled Dahlia. When sometimes my dead ones visit me in dreams, I hear but do not see them, like the parakeet repeating its name each morning beneath the floral cover of its cage in the warbled R's of my grandmother's brogue. My therapist says I learned to take comfort in language from an early age. Conversely, I may have been sensitized to verbal rather than visual cues. Mostly, my dead vocalize my name, or pieces of it, as if I were meant to build from its syllables someone who is without them now and will someday no longer be in need of a name. Pretty bird, pretty bird, a November dahlia auto-filling the horizon with its petals at sunrise. That was Kathy Fagan reading Dahlia from NER 40.4. Kathy's fifth book is Sycamore, a finalist for the 2018 Kingsley Tufts and William Carlos Williams Poetry Awards. She directs the MFA program at Ohio State, where she also serves as series co-editor for the OSU Press slash Wheeler Poetry Prize. Now, let's hear a few more words from readers in our community. I am Trisha Allen. I am the Youth Services Librarian here in Middlebury, Vermont. I've been a professional children's librarian for 13 years now. Um, One of the first lessons that I received when I was getting my MLS, my Master's in Library Science, was that you should never apologize for what you like to read and that there are a lot of different people who are reading for a lot of different reasons and they are all equally wonderful. Live from the library, that was Trisha Allen. And now for one more poem from the current New England Review. This is Trey Moody reading A Story About Death from NER 40.4. A Story About Death Before bed, my young daughter wants a story, she tells me. So I start by saying, this story about death never ends. And though my daughter must sleep soon, I promise to tell as much as I can. 
this story that will continue within my young daughter all her life. This story about how another little girl wants to know what death is, because her father died when she was seven. So the story begins. The little girl whose father died sets out from her house in the woods to ask, What is death? She's ready to hear the answer. She's ready to say hello. She's ready to know the dark, the same dark that now surrounds her father. During her walk through evening oak and cedar, the little girl notices the old woman's house, the living room light squared against the grass. The little girl knocks and begins to count. When she arrives at 25, the old woman opens the door, invites her in, motions to the three-cushioned couch on which the old woman had been reading a book. Hello, old woman, the little girl says. Can you please tell me what death is? Death, says the old woman. Death is what a dog looks like when it visits the human world. Thank you, the little girl says, but I think you are wrong, and now I must keep walking. The little girl feels the old woman's lawn damp beneath her feet and thinks of the middle-aged man down the path who waved last week while resting from his sawing of the wood. At this hour, though, there is no sawing of the wood. The house so dark the little girl recalls once watching a large animal whose sleep was of such beauty she wondered if the large animal were dead. But the large animal was not dead. So the little girl peeks into the backyard, where the middle-aged man stands smoking while regarding the silence of the trees, the small speck of sun swelling and fading like a lightning bug in front of his face. Why are you here? the middle-aged man asks the little girl, who responds, Hello, I want to know, what is death? The sound of wind hurries through the idea of leaves. The moon barely disrupts the sky. Every time I try, he says, to think about death, all I can see is a bowl of oranges, just a blue bowl of bright oranges. Who lives here with you? The little girl wants to know. So the man leads her in through the back door, flips the light, points like a guide to the framed photos lining the walls. All these people I loved, they loved me. All dead, the man says. The little girl sits on the green stuffed chair to rest a while. I'm sorry about these people, but I must keep going, she says. And farther down the path, a forest clearing catches her attention because one large tree occupies the otherwise empty field. Not an oak nor cedar, but a tree with twisting knots like knuckles. A tree the little girl has never seen. Excuse me, large tree. I need to know what death is, but no one can tell me. She hears only the whoosh of an owl before settling into silence. Large tree... 
You try on death every winter. How does it feel? A cloud interrupts the faint moon as a small branch falls at her feet. A branch, when held, whose limbs wishbone toward her chest and the space the owl made into its own. In whisper, she catches, but you try on death every night. She cannot place the source of the sound, for within the tree's crown everything is still. Only her attention moves. I shouldn't speak to what can't be seen speaking, she says, but I think you know something I don't about death. Along the same darkened path she has been traveling, a small brown dog trots without a glance in her direction, deeper and deeper into the dark up ahead, where the forest again swallows the path. Death, the large tree weakly breathes, Death resides inside us, and you, little girl, you are looking far away. I am not talking to a tree, she says, because all I hear is the wind, the wind, the wind. When the little girl steps toward the undiscovered dark, the owl flies quietly from the tree until it can no longer be seen somewhere within that swollen grove. Entering, the little girl feels like a stranger in an unfamiliar home in the middle of the night. When she tries to find a light switch along the wall, all she touches is tree bark. Not knowing the way back from forward, she continues the only way she can, her outstretched hands scanning the space ahead until glimmers of diamond-sized light announce a pond whose surface suspends the fragments of moon glimpsed through the thought of the imperfect copse overhead. Standing at what the little girl understands to be the water's edge, something small and soft brushes against her leg, but she is unafraid when she hears the small dog lapping darkness from the pond when she crouches to rub the dog's coat along the ribs, when the dog stops drinking to lick her palm with a heavy tongue. Nobody can speak about death, the little girl says. Small dog, do you know? Will it hurt? Was my father in pain? From above, the owl's vowels punctuate the dog's breathing. Brief wind scatters the flecks of moon across the black. Death is not about pain, the small dog says. I feel pain every day. Even right now, she asks. Even right now. You didn't answer my questions, the little girl says, and I can't see you even. The small dog wanders away from the pond, pausing on the unlit path. Yes, your father was in pain, the dog says. Yes, little girl, it will hurt. Something the size of a frog splashes into the water. In the distance, a substantial bell rings deeply, then rings again, and then again. A slow pulse of roundness that settles into the air the way wind presents itself as nothing but fact. I must go, the small dog says. 
but you need to know that death resembles most the pillow you prefer over all others, that when you rest your head, you won't even think to be scared. Alone by the pond in the dark, the little girl decides to walk home, for she has heard enough about death for one night. The end, I say. But though my young daughter yawns, she tells me she is hungry for a snack. And do we have any cereal? And she would like an orange, too. In the kitchen, at her small table, my daughter peels the rind into a plastic bowl, the underside of each piece white as paper. As I pour milk over her cereal, she asks me if the little girl in the story was me, or was it her? And I tell her, yes, I was the little girl. And I tell her, yes, that she will be the little girl one day. Tomorrow, she says, I think I will be her tomorrow. You're listening to NER Out Loud, and I'm Susan Deutsch. We've heard three poets reading their work from the winter 2019 issue of New England Review. We also talked to members of the Middlebury community about what they look for in a poem, a story. And we want to hear from you, too. Let us know what you think. What makes a good poem? What makes a good story? Email us at nereview at middlebury.edu or tweet us at nerweb. If you want more of NER or want to learn about the poems you heard today, head to our website, nereview.com, where you can find author interviews, events, and more. We are also on Twitter. Check us out at nerweb. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help more people find the show. The NER Out Loud podcast is produced by the New England Review in association with Middlebury College. Today we heard from poets in the winter 2019 issue of NER, Dean Rader, Kathy Fagan, and Trey Moody. Our producers are Carolyn Keebler and Marcia Pomerantz, and our office manager is Eli Sutton. Our original theme song is by Thomas Wentworth. Other music for this episode was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was edited and produced by me, Susan Deutsch. I'm a winter 2020 intern at New England Review, and a big thank you goes out to my fellow intern, Ruhama Wael, who helped every step of the way. If you have a favorite piece from the magazine you would like to hear read aloud, email us at nereview at middlebury.edu. I'm Susan, and you've been listening to NER Out Loud. Thanks for listening.